I wanted to begin by asking you guys a question. What would it take for you to deny your faith? What would it take for you to deny your faith? Nikki Cruz was a renowned street thug who moved from Puerto Rico to the mean streets of New York City in the 50s. Shortly after, he took his chances on the streets, and he actually joined a notorious street gang called the Mau Mau's. Okay? I have some pictures here for you guys to look at on the screen. One day, uh, he, actually, he actually ended up being quite violent as he grew up the ranks in, uh, in this street gang here in New York City in the 50s and 60s, just running amok all over the place. And he quickly continued to rise into the ranks. In fact, he actually became the president of the Mau Mau's, and uh, he was actually like the, their warlord. He was uh, one of the head leaders. One day, a skinny preacher uh, from the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, named David Wilkerson, moved to New York City with the hopes of sharing the gospel with people of the city, with the people here in New York City. And among those who heard his street preaching was a guy named Nicky Cruz. And one day, Nicky Cruz was passing by, and David Wilkerson, he got to know some of these guys' names as he was evangelizing and preaching to them in the streets. He shouted to him. He said, Nicky, Jesus loves you. And Nikki's response was, say that one more time, and I'll cut you to a thousand pieces. Can you guys imagine if a gang leader came up to you, pulled out his knife, stuck it in your face, and threatened to cut you? What would you do in that instance? What would you do? Would that be enough to rattle your faith? Would that make you keep your faith more private? Nobody needs to know anyway. David Wilkerson, who would go on to found Teen Challenge and Times Square Church here in New York City, he answered, Nikki, you can cut me into a thousand pieces and scatter them all over the city, and each one of those pieces will cry out, I love you. That was his response. Eventually, after the restless efforts of this bold street preacher from the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, one of the most feared street gang leaders in New York City with tear-filled eyes surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He would go on to share his story and preach the gospel to thousands all over the world. In fact, you can look him up. He continues, 81 years old. He continues to proclaim the gospel and share this story all over the world. Nikki Cruz. What would it take to deny your faith? Or what about not to deny it? But what about just to compromise a little? I want to introduce you guys to a friend of mine. I have a picture of his here as well, him and his wife. He's a fellow church planter in Woodside, Queens. His name is Sylvanus. And he's one of the boldest gospel-sharing missionaries that I know right here in New York City. He's reaching out to the Nepalese community in New York City. He's sharing the gospel primarily among Muslims and Hindus. That's his target audience, sharing Jesus to Hindus and Muslims. One Easter, he was carrying a wooden cross that he used as a prop for an Easter service. He's I don't know if he was going to the Easter service or from the Easter service. And he was just carrying the wooden. It was a prop. He was bringing it back to his apartment. He wasn't making a statement. He wasn't showing it off. He was simply transporting it the only way he could, carrying it across the street. And as he was walking with the cross, someone took it upon themselves to take matters into their own hands and to project, uh, to inject physical harm to Savanus. All right, around here we call him, he got jumped is what happened. He got jumped and they injected physical harm, bodily harm to Savannah so much so that it sent them to the hospital. They beat him up severely and he was hospitalized because of this, just because he was carrying a cross. It puts a whole new spin on Jesus' words, right? Carry your cross and follow me. Is that what it would take? Would it take that 
for your faith to be rocked, for you to deny your faith, for you to compromise? Would it take physical harm or maybe just a threat of physical harm to give in to the culture's pressures and to compromise your faith? Last week, we began this new series through the book of Daniel. And, and last week, we left off with Daniel and his friends. They were being handpicked uh, by the king and his goons, right, to, to essentially reject their heritage, to reject their culture, reject their faith, reject even their language, and adopt and learn Babylonian culture and Babylonian religion so that they could ultimately serve the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel and his friends, they had a decision to make. They had a decision to make. Would they submit to God's way and disobey the king? Or would they submit to the king and disobey God? And that was the options that they had. And you can say it this way. Who would Daniel ultimately be faithful to? To God in his way? Or would he be faithful to Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon? It's a question that we all have to answer. Every single one of us. And maybe daily you're presented with opportunities and you have to face the temptation to either be faithful to God and to his kingdom or the world and its kingdom. It's a decision daily that we have to make. What would Daniel choose? Well, despite the fact that to disobey the king would potentially cost him his life, he determines to honor God. And I think there's a few things that we can learn from this. And if you want to take out your message notes, there's a couple fill in the blanks there for you guys to follow along. I think this, there's a couple things that we can learn from Daniel's resolve. And here's the first thing. You can write this down. Number one, it takes courage to take a stand. It takes courage to take a stand. Daniel 1.8 says this. Daniel determined, everybody say determined, determined, that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. Would you guys go ahead and circle, underline, put a star right next to where it says Daniel determined. He determined. Daniel makes the decision to honor God over honoring the king. And he determines that he's not going to eat the food or drink the wine that comes from the king's table. You guys remember what we said last week? Don't drink the Kool-Aid, right? And he said, I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be obedient to God, right? He's not going to drink from this, the, the, ta- the king's table. He's not going to eat from the food. The food and the wine would have included a certain meat that God had forbidden. He specifically told the Hebrew people that they were not to eat. And, and the wine was used to sacrifice. It was used to pour out on the sacrifices of the Babylonian pagan gods. And so Daniel said no. And then he works up courage. Get this, guys. He works up the courage to approach the guy to tell him, that he's not going to eat the food. The guy that told him he has to, this is your new diet, Daniel, he works up the courage to go to this guy. Do you think that would have been tough for him to do? This guy has the king's number on speed dial. For anybody who disobeys, anybody who brings any, causes any trouble, let me call the king right away, because this guy's giving me trouble, and, and let's give him the death penalty ASAP, right? This guy has him on speed dial. But Daniel was so determined, and his conviction was so strong, that he works up the courage to take a stand for what he knows to be true. And guys, it's so much easier. It's so much easier to go with the flow for the sake of not looking foolish. Nobody likes being the oddball. For the most part, nobody enjoys conflict. Nobody goes looking for that conflict. No one enjoys welcoming criticism. I love it when they criticize me because of my faith. I welcome it. Nobody likes to be the oddball. Who wakes up in the morning thinking that they'd like persecution along with their coffee, right? 
Who says, yes, I want a side of bacon and eggs and ridicule for my faith? Nobody wakes up thinking like that in the morning. So the temptation is to lay low or to avoid the spotlight, to deny your faith or to compromise. What does it look like to demonstrate courage for you? Maybe it's not participating in those conversations that you know you shouldn't be involved in because you know those conversations are in God honoring. In fact, perhaps you realize that participating in them has even tainted your testimony. The very fact that you're laughing at those jokes and that you're involved in those conversations. Maybe demonstrating courage is the next time your coworkers bring up the topic of religion or faith. Instead of lying about it, you begin to open up and talk to them about it. You share how your faith and your walk with Christ is important and how he's changed your life for the better. And who knows? Maybe you'll have the opportunity to share the gospel with them as well. Who knows? Maybe courage looks like when you're at that family function, when you're at that that wedding or that holiday party, or when you're hanging out with some friends and they begin to pressure you to have a drink and then another and then another and then one goes to two and then two goes to too many and you find yourself in that situation. Maybe instead you have the resolve and you determine, like Daniel, God wants you to be sober-minded and not give it to not giving in to drunkenness and debauchery. So even though they'll think that you're the religious weirdo, you choose to exercise courage and take a stand because you've determined that God's way is so much better. Another thing that we can learn from Daniel's resolve is that it takes faith to remain faithful. That's number two in your notes. It takes faith to remain faithful. And Daniel 1, 12 and 13 says, this is Daniel speaking to the eunuch, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and then deal with your servants based on what you see. How bold is this statement from Daniel? How bold? He tells the eunuch, keep the king's food. Don't give it to us. Only give us veggies and water for the next 10 days. And because this will honor God, I promise you he'll take care of us and we'll look better than the rest. And if we don't, then you deal with us afterwards. How bold is that? How bold is that statement? Now, nothing in this text suggests that Daniel was a dietitian, right? I don't think he was trying to craft a new diet. I don't think he was trying to watch his figure. I don't think that's what he was doing. Daniel had faith that if he honored God in this area and did not eat the food sacrificed to idols and the food forbidden by God to eat, then God would take care of him. He had faith that God would take care of him. And Daniel told the eunuch, I know these guys are eating steak wrapped in bacon for breakfast, but watch, watch what God can do if you choose to honor him. Remaining faithful to God requires faith. Faith to know that what God wants for us is also actually what's best for us. Faith to trust God with the outcome or the consequences, whether it works or not, into our favor. Faith to trust God to come through. Remaining faithful requires faith. And Daniel showed faith by trusting God that if if he obeyed him and didn't eat the forbidden food, then somehow God would get the glory from it. Either through his life or through his death. God would get the glory somehow. He even had faith to believe that at the end of 10 days, his skin would glow nicer, his six-pack would push through, and his hair would be healthier because of the extra vitamins in the veggies, right? 
Well, I'm just kidding. That's not necessarily true. But essentially, he trusted God that supernaturally, because of their obedience and choosing to honor God over the king's orders, he would take care of their appearance and take care of their livelihood so that they wouldn't appear famished or malnourished. That's what the eunuch was afraid of. The the eunuch said, man, if I just give you veggies and waters, you guys are going to look weak and sick and the king's not going to want that. Look at Daniel chapter 1 verse 15. Look at what his faith did. At the end of the 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. What does that type of faith look like for you? Maybe it's trusting God with your relationships and your friends and your neighbors, your family members and co-workers. If you're too caught up with what you what what, what you're, you're too caught up and too worried about what they think about you, what what they're going to say about you or what they might say or how they might reject you or worse, how you may become the butt of all their jokes. Well, then faith might look like trusting God with those relationships. That he might put the right friends along your path and maybe even remove those who might be a stumbling block. Or maybe that he would give you thick skin to brush off those comments. Or that he would give you an overwhelming sense of compassion so that you would feel empathy and compassion for them. Maybe that faith looks like trusting God even though you don't have all the answers. I'm sure Daniel had many questions and even doubts. Don't you think Daniel had questions? Don't you think he was fearful? I'm sure he thought, geez, God, I've been faithful to you, and yet you let us be captive by this pagan and godless nation? I'm forced to abandon all that I know about you. I'm forced to abandon my faith and my heritage and my culture. I'm forced to let go of all that and learn about these pagan gods. They're making me change my language. And if I don't do all these things, then I'm a dead man. You don't think Daniel had questions? You don't think he had fear? But even with all those doubts and questions that he may have had, Daniel chose to trust God anyway. And maybe faith for you is trusting God even though you have some of those same fears. Even though you have some of those same doubts. Even though you have some of those same questions. And maybe your prayer can be something like this. God, I don't have all the answers. I don't get you. And I have a lot of questions, but you know what? I'm trusting you anyway. Maybe that's your prayer today. It takes faith to remain faithful. But here's great news. What happens when you remain faithful? Number three in your notes is this. And that is that God rewards faithfulness. God rewards faithfulness. After the 10 days, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they passed the test. So the unit continued to give them veggies and water. That was their diet. For the next three years, as they were serving under the king and learning, their diet was veggies and water. And the Bible says that as time went, went on, uh, all, God rewarded these four men with knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, unlike any of the other guys. And so the time came for the eunuch to present uh, Daniel and his friends before the king. This is the moment of truth. He's about to present them. Their plan could either work out great, Or it can cause all of them, including the eunuch, to die. It can cost them their lives. And here's what the Bible says, Daniel 1.19. Check this out. The king interviewed them. And among all of them, no one was found equal to who? Our boy Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. What did Daniel and his friends get for their obedience to God? Their appearance 
was better than all their rest. Their wisdom was better than all the rest. They were unlike anybody else. Guys, they must have been some real studs. Ladies, you got to find yourself a Daniel because we're the best. And then not only physically, but intellectually. Intellectually, Daniel and his friends, they were a cut above the rest. They were full of insight and wisdom. They were really smart. And Daniel had, he even had a gift. If you continue reading chapter 1, he was able to interpret dreams and visions. Lastly, they were rewarded with favor from the king. The king saw how gifted these guys were. And if you continue reading chapter 1, you'll see that he would consult them about anything that he needed help with. He would go to these guys. If he needed wisdom, if he needed guidance, if he had a question or he needed consultation, he knew exactly who to call. The obedience, the faithfulness of Daniel and his friends was rewarded by God himself through all these different ways. And guess what, guys? God will reward our faithfulness as well. What rewards will we receive? Some of God's rewards may look like Daniel's. God himself, maybe he'll give you wisdom on how to best share your faith with your non-believing family. Maybe God will give you understanding in order to demonstrate compassion and empathy with the hurting, the lonely, and the lost all around you and give you a word of encouragement for somebody. Maybe God will give you or grant you favor with your boss or with your co-workers, even though, even though they don't understand you or your decisions or how you choose to stand differently than the rest of the world. They, they won't be able to deny the fact, the impact that your faith has had on your, on your work ethic and how you treat others. But now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're like, Danny, I want to be faithful. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm choosing God over everything, and I ain't seen no reward. There seems to be no one, no one in sight. But let me just encourage you with this. You know, right now in Daniel's life, it looks like he's got it all together. He got the favor of the king, got wisdom. He got dashingly good looks, right? He got, a, you know, he's, he got all these things working out for him. But if you continue to read the book of Daniel, that's not always going to be the case. His life is going to get a whole lot rockier. Same thing for his friends. And what you need to realize is that God will reward your faithfulness. He will and can reward you in this life or he will reward your faithfulness in the next life, after this life. And this is exactly what Jesus said. And it's all over the New Testament. You can read this all over. In the famous Sermon on the Mount, here's what Jesus said. Read it with me out loud. Did you guys read these two verses? It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. You have it inside your notes and it's on the screen. Ready, go. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great where? In heaven. You see, Jesus is not only the greatest reward that we have access to. He is. But he also prepares our reward for our faithfulness once this life is over. And over and over again, Jesus would promise us that after this life, for those who have put their faith in him, they will experience an eternity away from the pain and away from the agony of this world and in the presence of our heavenly father. And there, the Bible says there will be no more pain there, no more tears, no more sickness, no more famine, no more grief, no more headaches, no more stress, no more coronavirus, none of that. All will be restored and made new. And we will be fully satisfied in the presence of God forever. And to experience this great reward, 
to obtain the promise and security of an eternity in the presence of God, all we need to do is put our faith in Jesus. God meets his creation in our brokenness and sin, and he provides a way out of our messiness through Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life. He perfectly modeled what it's like to take courage and to stand for what is right and what is just. He modeled perfectly for us faith in God the Father in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of persecution, and even his execution on the cross for our sin. He felt abandoned and he was crushed by the weight of our sin, of our sin on his back, but he remained faithful. But through his faithfulness, he conquered Satan's sin and death, and he rose from the grave on the third day. And his, and his life, his power, his forgiving of our sin is our reward for our faithfulness. And if you've yet to put your faith in Jesus and to trust in his work to forgive you of your sin and to grant you eternity with our Heavenly Father, then I just want to let you know you have the opportunity to respond to that today. What does it look like for all of us to remain faithful? Even when all the odds are stacked against us. I hope we can get some encouragement from God's word today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. Uh, and we're going to spend some time in prayer. And once we once we finish praying, they're going to lead us in one final song. Uh, and, and feel free to, to get up and partake in communion at your leisure. Communion is in the back. If you're a follower of Jesus, go ahead, go back there, drink the cup, which is representative of the bloodshed. Eat, eat the cracker, which is representative of his body broken for us so that we can experience the forgiveness of sin. And take it time to remember, to reflect, to, uh, to, to, to repent of sin. And as a reminder of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would give us the courage to take a stand. When the pressure and pull of this world tempts us to abandon you, I pray that you would give us the courage to rise up. Lord, build faith within us to trust you, even when we're surrounded with strife and turmoil and even persecution. We trust you for a reward, God whether in this life or the next. And we thank you for the greatest reward that we have, the security of our salvation and the forgiveness of our sin in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.